Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast, brought to you today by Attitude, makers of fine organic bed sheets and duvet covers. Try out their silky soft bamboo lysol bedding for 100 days risk-free. Get 10% off your purchase by using the special coupon code INSPIRATION. Visit them online at Etitude.com. That's E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E.com. Discover what it feels like to sleep on a cloud. Today's podcast was edited and adapted from How to Be Happy Though Civil by E.J. Hardy, published in 1909. How seldom does one see the well-rounded man, the well-rounded woman, what the ancient Greeks called the harmonious one, that is, someone developed equally in all parts of their nature. In our modern age, one of the areas most often overlooked is that of good manners. We should always remember that the way in which things are done is often more important than the things themselves. A beautiful behavior is better than a beautiful form. It gives a higher pleasure than statues and pictures. It is the finest of fine arts. If you are a musician or a painter, you cannot exhibit your accomplishments in all places and at all times. You cannot well strike up a song from Evita on a flight to Chicago, or exhibit your paintings in a cemetery. But where is the place that you cannot show good manners? Genius, if allied to an unpleasant personality, starves in garrets, while agreeable mediocrity has golden opportunities thrown in its way. Faults of manners are faults which the world has agreed to condemn. They have been the ruin of fine abilities and of great careers. It is a pity, but we must remember that of the people who see us, the majority only see us for perhaps half an hour in their lives, and they judge us by what they see in that half hour. The great statesman Edmund Burke once said, Manners are of more importance than laws. Upon them, in a great measure, the laws depend. The law touches us but here and there, now and then. Manners are what vex or soothe, corrupt or purify, exalt or debase, barbarize or refine us, by a constant, steady, uniform, unconscious operation like that of the air we breathe in. They give their whole form and color to our lives. According to their quality, they aid morals, they supply them, or they totally destroy them. And yet manners are not, especially in this day and age, appreciated as much as they ought to be. Many successful business people are proud and independent, and they fancy that it would take something from their dignity if they were to be polite. We can see them swagger about restaurants and hotels as if the whole world belonged to them. Success, assured of itself, and reinforced by physical vigor, scorns to employ a humble but suave demeanor for fear of seeming to concede a particle of its power. Another thing that prevents the little morals that oil the wheels of society from being properly appreciated 
is the fact that good manners are frequently confounded with a rather foolish thing called etiquette. The words etiquette and ticket have the same origin. Formerly, the rules and ceremonies to be observed at a royal court were printed on a ticket and given to every person attending a royal function. The rules of etiquette are thus not founded upon common sense, and they change with the weathercock of fashion in every age and country. Not so good manners. These are always the same, for they are the expression of a kind heart and an unselfish nature. The postures and impostures of etiquette are only the toys by which idle people amuse themselves in, quote, society. But manners are not idle. They are the fruit of a noble nature and of a loyal mind. Money, talent, rank, these are keys that turn some locks. But a kind, sympathetic manner is a master key that opens all. Virtue itself offends when coupled with a forbidding manner, but great is the power of winning manners, such as to steer between bluntness and plain dealing, between giving merited praise and flattery. I once knew a talented organizer whose sarcastic manner prevented him from being the director of a nonprofit organization. The members of the organization would not vote for him because of his often boorish attitude. A person may be talented, may be a good organizer, but if they are awkward and rude, people will not admire them. They will say, I respect so-and-so, but there is something about them I do not like. As the old saying goes, manners maketh a man and woman, and that includes good humor and cheerfulness. Take for example the family doctor. A merry heart in a physician often does more good than medicine. The foot of the happy doctor has music in it as they come up the stairs. On entering a sick room, they inspire into patients a belief in them and a hope which is favorable to recovery and longevity. In business, there is no stock in trade that pays so well as good manners. In many Asian countries, where courtesy and manners are still highly valued, Western business owners sometimes lose contracts due to the bad manners of their employees, and therefore must have them trained in politeness. Let us think of some of the common causes of bad manners, so that by keeping them in view we may be better able to avoid them. I think the sources that are most productive of bad manners are these four. Vanity, ill nature, want of sense, and want of sympathy. The vain person can scarcely be well-mannered, for they are so absorbed in the contemplation of their own perfections that they cannot think of other people and study their feelings. Vulgarians think only of themselves and their own concerns. It should be obvious that it is not very polite for anyone to spend their time in trying to make themselves seem big and others in comparison small. Therefore they should not be surprised if others should view them as boorish and a bore. Vanity renders people too self-conscious to have good manners, for if we are constantly thinking of the impression we are making, we cannot give enough attention to the feelings and conversation of others. 
But the most productive source of bad manners is want of sympathy. Our manners are bad because we have not the feeling of kinship which we ought to have. The two chief rules for manners are, first, think of others, and second, do not think of yourself. And these cannot be carried out without sympathy. We must be able to go out of ourselves and realize the feelings and circumstances of another if we would confer pleasure and avoid inflicting pain. It is a want of sympathy which constitutes the hard individual, the one who, without committing anything that might be called a fault, rides roughly over the most sensitive feelings of your nature. Good manners is the art of putting our associates at ease. Whoever makes the fewest persons uncomfortable is the best-mannered person in a room, and also the most tactful. Most of us have a notion of what tact is, but it is difficult to define it. The word is derived from the Latin for to touch. Tact is the quote, touch faculty of body and soul. It enables its possessor to get into touch with people and to gain an influence over them. Tact or savoir-faire is a tenth muse, more inspiring than any of the nine. As an insidious gentle sunshine makes us take off our greatcoat sooner than a blustering north wind, so tact is more efficacious than other forces which seem to be stronger. Tact is more than sensitiveness and closely connected with sympathy. It is thought for others, the power of putting oneself in another's place. When a young student asked a celebrated pianist how they could acquire a nice touch on the piano and play with expression, the musician replied, cultivate your heart. Tactful people think of the effect their words and actions may have. They are careful not to drop banana peels and broken glass where people may slip and cut themselves upon them. And such tact begins with cultivating a sympathy and understanding of others. I cannot imagine a case in which a person could be at a loss about what to say or do in company if they were always considerate for the feelings of others, forgot themselves, and did not lose their head or leave their common sense at home. Such a person may not have studied etiquette. They may be chaotic rather than demonstrating good form. And yet because their head and heart are sound, they will speak and act as becomes a gentleman or lady. On the other hand, someone who is very pedantic about etiquette and a bigot in ceremonies may be nothing better than, quote, the mildest mannered soul that ever cut a throat. It has been said by satirists that to be a social success, one must be a moral failure. But this is not the case. While it is true that those who consciously aim at social success, and at that alone, are often beasts, it is not insincerity but real sympathy that wins hearts. A badly mannered person makes us feel old, ugly, and disagreeable and one with good manners that we are very nice and that our presence at the time is quite indispensable to his or her happiness. A visitor calls at a most inconvenient time, but the lady and gentleman of the house, 
if they have unselfish manners, will never allow the individual to discover the fact. If this be deceit, well, may I always be deceived. Trying to please is not always vanity. It may come from a genuine desire to make others happy. Be always civil. It is one of the few things that are cheap and not nasty. Civility is the treasury of all. If we have nothing else to give, we can give that. Politeness is real kindness kindly expressed. And the only life that deserves to be called successful is a life that has been occupied with kindly words and deeds. Ask any old person what it is in looking back on the past that they most regret, and they will tell you that it is not the unused opportunities for worldly gain and advancement that he or she regrets, but the words of cheer they might have spoken, and the deeds of love they might have done. Whatever others say or do, you need not put yourself out of tune with the infinite. A Persian sage once said, Always meet petulance with gentleness, and peevishness with kindness. A gentle hand can lead even an elephant by a hair. Wherever there are good hearts, there are instinctive good manners. Good manners are good feelings. You can start today by just slowing down. One of the rules of good manners taught in the ancient schools of China was, let your movements always be graceful and deliberate. And to do that, we must slow down. We live in an age of hurry. It has become a dangerous habit, one that causes useless wear and tear on us, both physically and psychologically. Quiet movements are signs of self-control, ones that give birth to good manners. Remember that there is grace in repose, and there is grace in movement, but there is no grace in hurry. Or as Emerson once said, Life is not so short, but there is always time for courtesy. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. For free transcripts, please go to livinghour.org. Today's podcast was brought to you by Etitude, makers of fine organic bedding and accessories. Get 10% off your purchase with the special coupon code INSPIRATION. Visit them online now at etitude.com. That's E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E.com. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.